As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture business, how do you deal with AI, blockchain, sustainability, data science, cybersecurity, and a lot more? That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Welcome to Episode 5, Season 7 of the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This episode, I am delighted to have Kaylee Wedbeck. She's an expert in all these things that I mentioned AI, blockchain, sustainability, data science, cybersecurity, succession planning, human resources, talent management, product development, marketing, and strategic GTM strategies. She's created multiple apps, web apps, and platforms in B2B and B2C industries, focusing mostly on everything that we've mentioned about. Welcome to the show, Kaylee. Thank you so much, Lourdes. It's such a pleasure to be a part of it. I'm so excited to be here, and um, thank you for your nice overview of my profile. I'm very humbled, so thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad I found you on Facebook. I'm Actually, I found you on LinkedIn, didn't I? Yeah. So yeah. I'm always happy when I see people over there. <laughs> Me too. I know. And I think we found each other when we were talking because we both went to the Peace Boat UN event um, in New York. So that's why I love in-person events where you get to, you know, meet people or maybe not meet people, but then get to reconnect with them on um, social networks. So which is perfect for kind of what I'm doing. It's a social network for people that are outdoor adventurous that are already working in these industries, maybe cybersecurity, that's where I came from, and you want to go and, you know, visit the virtual, the physical world and connect with people virtually to, you know, being in blockchain or AI, where you see how the AI comes to life in nature, to um, other areas that are sustainable, sustainable, or, I'm sorry, <laughs> they're related to sustainability that continue to allow business models to be sustained. So, yeah, definitely um, excited to be here and talk to you more about all that sounds good it's fascinating because i originally sent you an information page for topics of discussion that we're going to have on our podcast today and i had these categories there of educators investors and businesses but when i saw your skill set i'm not sure what the category is for futurists and i love it i really loved it and so maybe you can give us a little background of how you ended up doing what you're doing today yeah, no, that's great. So I think part of it is, is I've always been kind of an explorer and curious about 
big problems that you can solve. I um, read a book by Peter Diamandis, and it was something about, you know, if you want to impact a billion people, you solve a billion person problem. So I did start a company a long time ago, and that was in hardware where I was trying to impact a billion people. And I think I was too early, so that's kind of where the futurist comes in. But as I was building out my product, um, I was experimenting with different materials for my hardware ring and really looking at different um, parts of botany and zoology because I took courses in college on that. And really, because I didn't have a background in hardware, it allowed me to really explore new avenues. And so I guess in the terms of the futurist aspect of it, um, I always was intrigued by algae. Algae really excited me because, you know, you think about one of the biggest populations in the world, and that's algae. It gives um, oxygen, and it's also, you know, a huge food group in different, um, you know, Asian countries. And what I started doing was looking into the photosynthesis of it and how photosynthesis and maybe a microchip could be used to harness electricity and kind of sustain itself. And so I told a few people about it, and, you know, I tried to file some patents on it, and so then I recently was researching it, and I just saw that some companies are patenting it and using it for microchip detection. So that's where I think with the futurist aspect, you know, it's it's coming, thinking about a billion-person problem and a, and a huge resource that can be um, utilized. And so that's kind of where the futurist aspect, I think, you know, comes into play, where you're maybe um, too early for people to really think this could happen. But, you know, through, you know, years of exploring and coming up with different ideas that maybe people don't want to, you know, spend time on yet, or they haven't thought about because, you know, they're, they're always constantly doing it one way, that's where this becomes an opportunity. So. Sounds amazing. And I didn't even mention in your profile that Kelly is actually one of the top 50 innovator. So what was it that you innovated that got you into that ranking? No, thank you. Yeah, so um, I won an award. It was actually around the same time as when I went to the Peace Boat. And um, I won an award for being one of the innovators in this space. And so um, it was in technology and smart home technology and then also in innovation. And so I went to Las Vegas for um, an award where I was with other with 50 other innovators that were doing things. It was a um, organization based out of Dubai and um, they had different professors and um, venture capitalists from Stanford and then also from um, different industries. And so it was an award for, you know, being one of the first maybe female, you know, that got to pitch different, you know, VCs and try to bring a product to market. And so that's um, where I got the innovation award and just kind of coming up with new ideas and strategies and techniques. I think, you know, it's, it's exciting. You've mentored a lot of women and it's so wonderful what you've done. And I think a lot of times it, it takes a while for something to become um, popular. So getting that award was one of the highlights of my career. Fascinating, fascinating, but also very amazing because I don't want to be charged with ageism, but if you guys can see how Kelly looks like, she probably looks like she's 13 and came out of like the school. And hearing her talk, I'm kind of imagining her brain of what this wisdom is all in her brain. So I'm going to pick it a little bit. So as a futurist and innovator, what do you envision as the most exciting or unexpected application of emerging technologies in the field of food? Um, I think it's plankton and seaweed. I think um, the more I've been researching it, the more I see, and I've been talking to some of my friends in India, that I really see that it could be an alternative 
for wheat and rice, and it's much healthier because when you look at the nutrition in it, it has higher protein, it has more omega-3, and when you think about the future of, you know, you know, I, if I'm a 13-year-old and I don't really think about what I'm eating, I'm putting junk food in, by the time I'm in my 70s, eventually that could mean me getting dementia or Alzheimer's or other types of neurological disorders or diabetes. And so if you think about combating that early with um, better food systems and changing a little bit of the culture where instead of having all of the food groups be ingrained around those types of sugars and starches that they're finding are really leading to those types of problems, I think that can really help lead to a smaller, a larger, a way that for companies and or for, for people to save so much money on medicine, but then also as a way to really transform lives. So I think that I, um, growing up, I played tennis a lot, which I was really fortunate to do. And a lot of it was you had to really take control of the nutrition element, because if you didn't, you would be on the court for three hours in a hundred degree heat, which on the tennis court meant 120 or 110 degree. And if you didn't have enough electrolytes or water or, you know, really, um, fueled your body to perform, you were just never going to be able to make it. It didn't matter how good of shape you were in. It didn't matter how hard you practiced before. If you were, weren't able to fuel your tank, if they say, you know, um, it, it, you basically wouldn't be able to survive. So that's where I think early on, I knew food was a really major component of it. And, you know, I was very fortunate, you know, not to have you know, when I did my startup, I sometimes have to choose between food or like, you know, going to the jewelry sort of like experiment with different materials. You know, I know that sounds extreme, but that's kind of how it comes when you're bootstrapping. And so, you know, just really thinking about people in these countries that don't have access to food and even Americans and others that, you know, mothers that can't breastfeed their babies. And, you know, my mom was a nurse, so she got them on WIC where they get nutrition and different, you know, protein. I think that is a huge element because if you can't eat and you're not able to think and you don't have the right food, your brain doesn't work and then you can't be creative. You, you, you know, you can't function. It's one of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So it's a longer answer to what you're saying. But the future, I think, is an opportunity to find a solution like seaweed or plankton that's easy to grow. It doubles in size daily and you can doesn't affect the ecosystem when you take it out as often. And it's um, a really great nutrient-rich food that Asian cultures are already using and they're attributing to longevity already. Really, really very good point about what we take in into our body and from a very practical standpoint of, you know, you won't feed a horse probably junk food. Even I have a Siamese cat and so it's fascinating watching him because every time we give him something and he doesn't like it, he buries it, right? So we sometimes yeah. think to ourselves, oh boy, we're eating something that the cat is wanting to bury. That's not a very good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think, I mean, even this past, past month, I wrote a blog about it. I added a few different things to my diet and I feel 100% different. I've added fish oil. And if you're vegan, you can use different types. I've added more fish and more vegetables. And it is, it really changes, um, I think, a person's perspective. It makes you much more creative because with fish oil, it adds a lot more blood flow and brain health. And um, it, it is, it's, I think food is huge. And I, I really, that's where um, I was going to go to a, a you know conference about how fit, 
food can be used for war. <laughs> and that's how people, you know, kind of start. It's, it's a scary thing, but that's where the opportunity to bring a new food group that's sustainable, easy to grow, and easy to distribute to a large population that doesn't have the opportunity to eat is something that I would be, I would love to do. And that's where um, I really do think that's the future. Thank you for saying all that. So where are you based, actually? I'm in Florida, um, right outside of Tampa in St. Petersburg. Oh, I see. Okay, so that's great. Because I was going to ask you, how do you foresee the role of ocean farming evolving in the context of sustainable food production and global food security in the coming decades? So I'm glad that you're in Florida. So what do you think about that? Yeah, so I'm still pretty new to it, but I what I um, have seen and I've really been researching is it's going to take a global effort. It's going to take experts like you that have the um, the influence and also the expertise to really design programs that are sustainable. And I went to um, another event, a Green Biz Energy, that some of the people at the United Nations were at and huge brands and farmers, and I heard a lot about the um, agriculture, the president of the agriculture um, in the United States was there, and she was talking about how farming really needs a, a lot of education, and there's a huge shortage of workers. So when you think of succession planning, the people that have been farming for years, you know, it's not a very hot job, and a lot of the land is being bought up, and people don't recognize that it's a need a needed area for people to be farming. And again, I'm not an expert. I just, you know, heard a few lectures about it for, during the conference. And where I see it with the ocean is, um, and I've been talking to a few people in different industries where they work with, um, you know, water pipelines and, you know, distributing different water and different large equipment, you know, across different states and how that plays into things. And so I think it's going to take an effort um, with governments and also with different brands, a lot of companies and people to really jump on board and, you know, figure out a solution that works with different government policies. And, you know, I was looking at India and India was a huge, you know, huge area where if you look at the seaweed and plankton and how that could be used, um, it's going to need a lot of government help, but also a lot. It's a huge opportunity to bring jobs to local city, to, to, to villagers and also to distribute Water and as they're creating more and more clean water technology, like through osmos reverse osmosis and other methodologies through membranes. I wrote a blog about one and how you know fish are inspiring different techniques with their gills. Um, you know, there's it, it's going to take a large effort, but again, experts like you that have the education where it can be easily. Um, transferred to future generations, governments that are, you know, thinking about innovative solutions and also different types of food sources, fish maybe, but then also even, um, you know, seaweed. I even saw that there are 3D printing fish now. So, you know, again, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not an expert in all of that yet, but I find that sometimes looking at it from a fresh perspective, you know, fresh water, fresh or salt perspective, right? <laughs> you know, then, you know, you never know. I think it, it's a real big opportunity for innovators to come in and disrupt this and really find huge solutions um, to, to, to um, problems that we found from overfishing. But again, fishing's been around for 40,000 years. And, you know, many, you know, 17% of the global population relies on fish as a significant protein in, um, in their diets. And so that's 1 billion people, basically. And as we continue to grow, you know, it's not going to be sustainable if we don't fix the process. 
what's one thing that really resonated with me with what you were saying is in terms of how we produce food is really important. But I also have to get the disclaimer because I think when you're talking about expert, I'm by no means an expert. And I like to call myself actually a leading learner. And I, I, I learn a lot from the people around me who are smarter than me. Like in your space, you're so smart at what you do. There's like a thing that's happening when we were talking about farming, what comes to mind in my head, what pops up when you were talking was, you know, I'm seeing a farmer tilling the soil and in the society 5.0 I talked about in some of the previous episodes, society 1.0 is the hunter-gatherer stage and very much so in the farming um, space. And so how do we bridge that to society 5.0, which is more along the lines of your background of Internet of Things, even in the metaverse. And so how do we bridge that is really fascinating because it's get a combination of everything that you mentioned of having to have leading learners and experts in all of the fields in other spaces as well, which leads me to my last question. Can you share any innovative strategies or approaches that are being explored to address potential environmental challenges and concerns associated with large scale farming such as the impact on marine ecosystems and biodiversity. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like what you were saying with IoT, that's huge. So they're having more AI-powered drones that are monitoring fish populations. Um, there's underwater robots um, that are cleaning fish farms. So there's actually been a few out of St. Petersburg that I've been seeing that has been monitoring um, the, you know, ecosystem. I've seen that they're tagging different types of marine life, like shrimp, um, sorry, like sharks and whales to really monitor um, and then they're using different data and analytics and machine algorithm to kind of identify different trends. I worked at a craft database company before uh, my cybersecurity experience. And so what was fascinating was they were building knowledge graphs for the marine data with no, the, um, with NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. So what that means is they're taking disparate, disparate data. So terabytes of data, basically data points that you wouldn't even think relate. So, um, they would pull it all in together, then they can write algorithms, similarity algorithms, and other types of algorithms that can start to detect patterns in anything from fishing, um, from large fishing, you know, populations and vessels, um, which they're really tracking a lot of now, to even just weather data, to um, information on the oil, on the, you know, oil, of course, soil, and even the, um, the you know atmospheric data to start to pick up on different trends for migration and you know figuring out all of the different um spawning and other types of things again i'm not the, a complete expert but that's where it's so exciting um part of what my app does is it takes pictures of the fish and tells you what type of fish it is and the goal is more people will share where they catch the fish um which will then be able to start to detect you know patterns and oh here's where more of these black grouper are being caught and maybe because of the red tide no one has fished here in these couple of months but because of um, a few changes in the atmospheric pressure and different types of changes you know in the weather data um, we're able to detect that there's been less you know 
coral or red tide because of X, Y, and Z. And so part of what I love about, you know, data and graph technology and knowledge graphs is everything you do nowadays can be tracked. And that's where it's really neat to think about, you know, even, um, even just driving. And if you, you know, and they want to check eventually one day, they'll be able to say, oh, this person got off their, out of their car, they got on their boat and they caught this fish and then they threw it back in. And then six months later, they caught another fish. And then because of, you know, the similarity algorithms um, and community detection, they can find different people just like us that have also done those things and pick up more patterns. So we never know where it's going to go. And um, part of what I love is just the uh, amount of data out there and the amount of data that's supplied that allows people to program this. So you have the experts that are programmers, experts that are futurists that can see, you know, potential. And then you have others that are industry experts or leading ex leading learners like you that can also share their data. So I think, you know, it's, it's exciting. Like it's like a think tank. You bring a lot of different types of people together and all you do is find new innovations. Wonderful. Just wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. My biggest takeaway from our conversation was when you were talking about all this AI powered AI powered drones, AI powered robots, and how technology basically can, again, I think help humanity in where we know is the future is now. It's not even farther than we think, as you mentioned a while ago. So how can they get in touch with you, Kayla? Yeah, they can add me on LinkedIn. Um, my name is Kaylee Wetzig, C-A-Y-L-E-Y-W-E-T-Z-I-G. Um, or you can, um, yeah, come to Seafish. Um, dot site and you can check it out there or go directly to Seafish in the app store and you can connect with me on the on the community so you can talk to me through that sounds great and you're welcome to visit us in Canada and maybe we can apply some of the apps that you're doing with our Vibel <laughs> I'd love that yeah I'd love that thank you so much anytime you're in Florida look me up or you know just send me a message and I'm happy to show you around and we can look at all the potential you know that's offered in Florida that they can adopt your expertise <laughs> sounds great thank you so much again Kaylee to our listeners we appreciate your time listening to the show see you next week thanks everyone thanks Kaylee I appreciate you thank you Lourdes have a great day Thank you for listening and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.